You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your partner or so your prayers will not be hindered. Now you have to understand this in a first century context because women in the first century they had no political rights. They had no social rights. They had pretty much no rights at all. And so a woman in that day that this was written, a woman could be physically abused and there was no consequence for that abuse. She could be sexually abused or emotionally abused and nobody was standing up for her. And that is probably what Peter is, is talking about when he says that she is weaker. That she is in a vulnerable position in the culture that you're in. As I said early, earlier, women, they, they're, they're also, we, we understand that they are generally physically weaker than men. You could probably find some women that uh, are, are stronger than, uh, than some men. But, uh, but as, on, a, on a general basis, if you, in fact, if you've seen any of the Olympics that are taking place, there's, uh, it, we see it played out. I mean, the, the weightlifters... Uh, and of the men and the women, there's a, a different amount that they can lift and there's different ways that our bodies are constructed. And so there is a physical component to that as well. But God is instructing or Peter is instructing here the church and saying, men, because the women are more vulnerable, honor them because they are weaker. Take care of them. Treat them with an extra amount of care and respect because no one else in this world is respecting them. Amen. I just want to say, church. That if the world around us respects and treats women and, and, uh, and each other, I should say in that fact, if they treat each other with more respect than we do in the church, then shame on us. This is not about, this is not about uh, submission uh, so that one can be dominant over the other. We're talking about equality, that we were created equally, and that means in relationship that we were created to love one another, to be there for one another. We are joint heirs with Christ. Men, women, we are together. God, um, being um, husband and wife, this is a part of the, um, part of showing our relationship with God. That we would be there for one another. Amen. Last thing, spiritually. We see equality spiritually. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul there in Galatians is not trying to flatten out the genders and say, there is no difference between male and female what he's saying is that when God interacts with humans he doesn't differentiate between male or female God doesn't open up the windows of heaven and say I'll hear the prayers of the men but I won't hear the prayers of the women or I'll hear or, or the opposite I I won't hear the prayers of the men but those women's prayers they come right up to me and they uh, I hear them clearly no he says that God as far as as far as gender is, is um, concerned, God doesn't care. People are people. So spiritually, there is an equality. We see it also in Acts chapter 2. 
that he would pour out his spirit upon both male and female. Upon the handmaidens, the daughters, they shall prophesy. Uh, it, it says, um, the servants, the handmaidens, uh, they will, he will pour out his spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. See, when God, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't differentiate when it comes spiritually between male and female. Amen. Let's, co- let's continue here in, in this discussion of the gender distinctions. Because reality is that Western society, we've already said it, but Western society has tried to blur these distinctions. Gender identity has, has been distorted so, so much in these last several decades. These distinctions between male and female, and there seems to be a pretty obvious agenda to this, in my opinion. There is a, there is an, an agenda uh, there's there's a faction of society that would like nothing more than to erase every distinction between masculine identity and female or feminine identity. We we see how over the years these these roles of male and female they've they've been abused. We well this is true historically as as a human race because men have been throughout the centuries more physically dominant. We see how. In most societies that men, they have been dominant in, a, in an unhealthy way. And I'm not, not trying to say that there is, uh, that there's nothing good that has come out of, uh, out of getting women's, you know, rights and, and the equality. I, I believe in that, um, to a, to a point, except that when, uh, when society then starts to go overboard and try to, try to say that there is a blurring of the genders, then it gets distorted. There's a lot of crazy things out there. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy things out there in this world, some crazy ideas. See, there's all, all sorts of things that this world is trying to do to erase the, the roles and the gender identity of, of male and female. We, uh, we have laws now that say you have to, you have, to have a, a bathroom in every school building that is for the transgender. You have to have things that are labeled for them so that they can go. And you know, sexuality over, over the decades, there seems to be a nearly wholesale endorsement of homosexuality. Bisexuality, you know, in our culture, even in, even it, it, this has crept into so many churches today. What is, what does this ultimately do? Ultimately, it begins to wash away the uniqueness of maleness and femaleness. It sort of lumps everyone into this sort of unisexual category where it doesn't matter what you are and you just, you know, you, you sort of do whatever you want to do. You just don't function in the category in which you were created. And when that happens, you are no longer, you are no longer exhibiting the image of God back to Him. Remember God, from the very beginning, when we go back to the beginning, He created us male and female, says created He them. And that is the image of God. It's the point, it, it, it's to the point where, where I'm getting ready um, to talk in just a few minutes that, uh, you know, that what we, 
that we are very foreign uh, to, to people who, who don't have a very, you know, a, a church background because they'll say, you know, like, what, what are you talking about? Some of these things that we stand for, some of the things that we as, a, as an apostolic church stand for, it's so foreign. But I believe in gender distinction to the point that, that there are some things that are talked about in Scripture and we're going to get into it here as we close this out uh, here today. We're, but there are things that are talked about clearly in Scripture. And when the world hears them or when they, they see us, they're like, you're like miles, miles down the road when you're talking about gender distinction from where we are at today. But you know what? I'm not doing this on a curve. Just because... The culture around us has shifted the discussion on gender norms and the distinction between male and female does not mean that we do not still hold to what the word of God says. And look and point to scripture to say, all right, God, if you say that this is a way that distinguishes male and female, the genders, then God, we're going to stick to scripture. We're just going to stick to scripture. Let's uh, let's go. I want to talk through this uh, through this discussion on gender distinctions through hair length. And this is where I say, I know, I know for for many, they're they're like, what in the world are you talking about? That seems so foreign to me that that we would be focused on the hair length. But if scripture talks about it, if scripture says that this is a, a, a line where we are able to stay within our role as male and female in order to glorify God, amen, then we ought to hold the line on this. And so this gender distinction here is we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse number two, let's begin there. It says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and you keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all as, all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if, a, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head. For as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man... Is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. No, I'll go through this quick. We're going to back up and, and tear it apart just a little bit. Verse 9. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. 
judging yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Amen. I'm getting into this because uh, I, uh, not, not just because of the fact that this is uh, one way that we distinguish between genders, but uh, on, on a Sunday morning, the reason I'm covering this is because I know that we have many in this church that, that perhaps you've wondered, you know, why is it when I look around, I see women in this church that are like this. So I want to cover this, this uh, passage of Scripture here and, and why, um, why we believe in a woman having long hair and a man having short hair. There are, there's a couple of things that are going on here in this passage of scripture. Um, in the, the early portion of that text, Paul, he, he's mentioning a covering and, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's a little, literal covering or a veil, you know, that, that should be worn when praying. But as you read through the verse, whether there's a literal cloth or a veil that's involved or not, Paul, he goes on to say a couple of things. We, we, we could have just spent this whole lesson just talking on through this. I, I realize that. So I'm going to cut out some of the discussion that may take place of is this a, a cloth, something, a hat, something that you would put on your head or not. Whether that's the fact or not, Paul says some things very clearly about the length of hair. And, and one is that it's a disgrace if a woman has a shaved head. Or later on he says, hair that is cut. Two, is that a woman's hair is her glory. Three, that she should allow it to grow long. Now, concerning the men, he says that it's a shame for men to have long hair. Therefore, men should cut his hair short. Now, I just want to look at a few things in this passage about how Paul, how he comes to these conclusions. First of all, Paul appeals to the created order. This is not primarily a, a cultural issue that he's, he's talking about here. We'll see that he appeals to a couple of different things in order to make his case. But first of all, the first thing he appeals to is this, is the created order. In verse, verses two through four, Paul, he's talking about the created order of male and female. He says men are different from women. And that's the basis from which he launches this con- into this conversation. Because men are different than women. Now, however you interpret these passages, what is very obvious here is that the Corinthians are blurring a gender distinction. Okay? Women in this setting appear to be the ones in violation. It, maybe it's the men as well, but it seems to be primarily directed toward the women that they are blurring the genders, the distinction between genders. And so Paul, he begins his argument here about, about trying to keep a clear distinction between male and female, making sure that males 
and females are different. Particularly, his argument is that when you come to worship, you have to come to worship as male and as female. You can't come to worship as some neutral, blurred gender, unisexual being. You have to come in the image of God. This isn't me saying this. This is Paul's argument about how we come to worship. You can only do that in your maleness if you are a male. You can only do this in your feminine nature if you are a female. And so if the men are not fully male in their worship to God and the women are not fully female, then God cannot be adequately worshipped. And that's the argument that Paul is laying out here. The concern is what's going on in the worshipful environment. So Paul, he appeals to the created order. We see that appeal to the creation and separation of genders. But additionally, in verses 8 and 9, we see this interesting place where he says that women should have her hair long because of the angels. Now I'll tell you what we know about that, that verse. We know that verse. Uh, we, know, we know that this verse uh, can. Um, it, it tells us that women have power because of the angels. That's what we know about that verse. Here's. I don't want to get into it too deep, but there's, there's, this, there's this one belief, there's this one idea that has been tossed out there about some miracle hair doctrine uh, because of the angels, and I don't believe in that. I don't want to dive too deep into that because, uh, because we, we don't know exactly what it means um, when it says that you have power because of the angels. Um, but we do know that there is something that takes place because of the angels that women, it says, should have long hair. They should have hair that is uncut. So Paul, he's, he's creating to the, it has something to do with the creation, uh, creation account. This is still in the same appeal to, cre- to creation. That because of how the angels were created, it says that women should have long hair. So it's part of the created order. So Paul he then appeals to nature. And I don't know, we're, we're getting ready. We're going to wrap this up soon. And I know this is maybe a little bit of a, a different feel to this Bible study this morning from what I typically do on a Sunday morning. But hopefully we can go away feeling confident in who we are and that we are reflecting the image of God. Amen. That we can live in holiness through this. Amen. Let's continue. Paul, he appeals to nature. In the vast majority of cultures around the world throughout the ages, it's been accepted that women have long hair, men have short hair. There's something inherent within us that tells us that this is how it should be. Men typically go bald. If I look around this room right now, I can see some, uh, some of that played out, that men typically go bald. That's not to say that women don't also, uh, are not also affected in some manner with, uh, with thinning hair and that, but, uh, but we see the natural, um, order of this that men uh, naturally will lose their hair uh, in some in, in some cases so we see an appeal that Paul makes to the nat to the natural order to to nature uh, we see Paul he appeals to church tradition his final appeal on this topic is to the customs of the church 
That was verse 16. And it kind of sounds, uh, when you read it in King James, um, kind of sounds as if he's saying, oh, this whole discussion doesn't really matter. That's not what he's saying at all. Um, when he says, uh, if you are contentious about this, we have no such custom. Um, what he means is, this is how it is. We don't have this. This has never been practiced in any other way. The church has always come to worship God with a very clear gender distinction. And so, and so then we have this final question that we want to ask, which is long versus uncut. Here's a question that comes up a lot. And the question is, should a woman have long hair or should a woman have uncut hair? And what we encourage and what we teach is that a woman should have uncut hair. There's several reasons for that. One is that if you read the passage in, there in Corinthians, the, the concern and the language that's used, which is even more clear in the Greek, is that this language of shave, shaven or cut. It's talking about shaving, shaving or, or, or cutting your hair. And in that word in the Greek, it means to grow long, to let it continue to grow long. So it seems when you look at the language, the safest and most consistent way to apply this teaching is that we would just allow it to continue to grow uncut. And that through that, there is glory that God gets in it. That God receives glory. That we reflect the nature of who He is. We reflect His image. And here, here's, here's what I want to say, just to close this out. And, and there's that one final page that you have there. And, and you can take that home and read these. It's just some excerpts from, from some commentary on this same subject. That you can see that these are... We have Robert Gundry, who's a conservative scholar. We have some social scientists. We have a very liberal critic. We have a feminist People kind of from all these different areas that that when they look at this passage of Scripture, they all come to the same conclusion. That is, that gender differences, according to these texts, ought to remain in place with men having short hair, women having long, uncut hair. And through that, we exhibit the image of God. Here's here's what I wanted to say, just to to close this out. Is that if if you... come here to this church, you're visiting or a member, we have, I have no rules um, that I'm going to kick you out, make you feel unwelcome. I, I hope that you do not feel that way. I, I hope that this, this lesson here this morning, it's, it's, it's not intended to be, to come across as that. This is not, this is not meant for me to, to come across and to say that you're not welcome here. I, I want you to know that you are absolutely welcome to worship here in, in, in whatever manner that you come. That God wants you to come and He wants you to lift up your hands and to begin to worship Him. And, and I want you to know that, uh, that this, this here, I'm, I'm just pulling this out today just because if it's in Scripture, I want to dive into it. And to see, God, what are you trying to tell us? God, why do you include this in Scripture? How, how is it that we can maintain this, this image of God here in this messed up culture that we live in today? And I, and I do not look on you today if, if you say, man, that's, um, you know, this church, 
I'm not accepted there. That is absolutely not the case. You are welcome here. You are welcome. And, we're, and, 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 and God welcomes you as well. And we're going to just here in just a few moments, we're going to lift up our hands. We're going to worship. And I hope that you would do that here today if you're with us, that you would lift up your hands, that you would just begin to worship God because God, come on, he sees you in whatever place that you're at. And God, amen, he wants to just begin to come and to let you feel his presence in this place. Amen. So we're going to do that here, here in just a moment. We're going to begin to lift up his, his voice, or lift up our voice and begin to worship him. In fact, right now, as we close out this session, this Sunday school lesson here this morning, if you could just lift up your hands. Amen. There's so much more that we could get into. In fact, we're going to get into more about how we can exhibit the image of God. There is, there are more things that display the image of God and we're going to get into that here coming up but amen God I'm thankful God I'm thankful that we don't have to live in the confusion of this world God that can get our minds so messed up God has to believe that, that that we are not we're not created the way that we were meant to be created God, this world would tell us that, that you could be created one way, but it was a mistake. God, we were not a mistake. There is no mistake in here, God, that you created us, God, to be exactly, God, the way you formed us and the way and the, the manner, God, then we should exhibit that. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that, that those who have come in this place, Lord, that we can lift up holy hands, that we can, that, Lord, lift up holy hearts, God, that we, as we lift up our voices, as we lift up, God, you in worship here today, Lord, I pray that you would receive all the glory and the honor, God, through a church, God, that would exhibit your very image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have our, our Sunday school class. I think they've all made their way back in already today. And amen. We serve a mighty God, don't we? Praise God. Praise God. We just, I don't know, we, we don't typically do this, but can we just stand in this place? I want to, we're going to transition into the remainder of the service. Let's just, let's just stand. I want to just take just, just a moment here. If you could just go and greet somebody, amen, welcome them here today, amen, this is a good time to be in the house of the Lord, this is a great time to be here with one another, Would you just take a moment.